Brian's going to be okay. We're happy about that. So I asked the nurse practitioner there, is he going to be okay? And she, of course, started speaking in tongues. She said, oh, no, he just vasovagal. It's no problem. He uh, didn't eat all day and he passed out. So it's going to be okay. Scared the bejeebers out of me, though. All right. Families together. Woo! All right. Well, it's so good to see all of you here this morning. Um, it's kind of hard to figure out, do I segue into my intro now or do I just, okay, you get the intro. Here you go. <clears throat> so I need to start with a confession. The confession is this. I have six presets on my car radio. First one is 88.7. That's the diamond. It's uh, classical music and uh, jazz at night. Second one is 90.1. Uh, it's national public radio. No judgment, please. The third one is uh, 97.9 WGNR, from the word to life. <laughs> now I got 98.7. That's used to be something, and now it's something else, but it's Christian. Then I got K-Love, 101.7, 9, 10, 12, all the way down the line. And my last one, here's the confession part, <clears throat> WJJK, classic hits. No judgment, thank you. I graduated from college in 1980, I mean high school in 1982, so it's all legit. I mean, this is my childhood. So anyway, I'm cruising through the, um, my radio uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was right at the beginning of this Ecclesia series about community. And this, this song comes on, and it, it, it will apply, but I'm just going to give you a little bit of it right here. get the idea, right? Anyone ever heard that song before? Okay. How many are going to Google it this afternoon? Okay. <clears throat> Completely random. If you have never seen Sting sing Panis Angelicus with Pavarotti, you should Google that one. That'll give you Google bumps right here. But anyway, <clears throat> I just heard that song. It just popped on and it, and it hit me. My goodness, he's talking about the present day world. Just a castaway. So much despair, so much loneliness, I can't bear it. Save me before I fall into despair. And he talks about, send, uh, you know, send an, I'm sending my SOS, a message in a bottle. Think about that. What's he saying? He's, he's saying, I am every man, and I feel completely lonely on earth, and I don't want to tell anyone, so I'll stick my message in a bottle, cast it into the sea, and hope against hope that somebody, somewhere, will know that I exist and I'm in pain. That's what I got from the song. <laughs> Everyone is looking for community. It's a reality. We were created for relationship. We're created for community. 
We were created by a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Why would we ever imagine that a being created out of community would be able to function outside of community? doesn't make sense. We're, we were created by a relational God built for a relationship. We're hardwired for it. And I could go through statistics about the impact negative on people when they don't have roots in community. And sometimes we go on this cryptic search, you know, hoping that someone will see in our eyes or believe that somehow, you know, someone will, will notice, even though we're afraid to say it, I'm in pain, I'm hurting, I need some help. We live like castaways. And it doesn't have to be like that. I was having lunch two weeks ago with a friend at another church, and um, we were just talking about life in general and what he said. He was telling part of his story. He said, um, we were in a church for a long time, and we hadn't done the hard work of building community. And we knew it, but, you know, we knew it, but we, didn't, we just didn't do the work. We didn't want to put ourselves out there. And then personal crisis hit. And he said, I realized that crisis is no time to build community. Now, God is faithful. Right? God is gracious. He can do immeasurably more than we can ever ask or imagine, right? That's God. But a part of God's provision for us in this world, our safety net, our, our, our health plan for spiritual, physical, emotional, relational health is God's gift of his own love towards us and God's gift of his love in community, in real life people who can look at you and say, how are you, and, and, and handle the real answer. You know what I'm saying? The real answer. So a couple comments this morning on developing healthy roots today. And if you're one of those people who likes to get all three of the three points, I'll give them to you up front because I may veer around. God has invited and commanded us to be, to be rooted in his love to be rooted in the community of his love and to be willing from our deep roots of God's love and the love of the community to give that love to others. It's pretty simple, except that it's hard for us to walk it out, to live it out, to dive into it. So I want to start with Ephesians chapter 3 and starting in verse 17. Paul is praying and he says, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. Paul says the very foundation of your being is what? Love. It's the essence of God and therefore the foundation of the being of God's created ones. That's us. Being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. If you're a Lord's holy people, say amen. amen. Okay. That's what I'm talking about. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And just because Paul gets himself caught up in praise, often at the end of his prayers, he just can't help but erupting into worship. And he says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, and he goes on for about 12 more sentences in Greek. Because he can't stop praising the one who made him and rooted him in love. You're rooted in God's love by, accepted God's, by accepting God's love once and for all and over and over again. The constant theme through scripture, Genesis to Revelation, 
is this overarching invitation for the people of God to receive the love of God. I mean, you just find it all through the scripture. Love is the, the big deal. And we are meant to be rooted in that love that comes from God and God alone. You are the beloved of God. And the truest thing about you is what God says about you. And that is that as a believer in Jesus, you are loved. You are unconditionally loved. You are eternally loved. You are accepted. Ephesians 1.6, Paul says, and this is a King James version because it's how I, I memorized it. It's right up there on the screen. We were uh, predestined unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ into, into to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, talking about God, and then listen to this about you, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Wouldn't it be great if we just had all that, that, that tattooed over our hearts? Who are you? I am accepted in the beloved. More important than the team I root for or the town I came from is my heavenly identity, accepted in the beloved. I just give you this uh, free promo. It's, uh, if you've ever heard of Henry Nouwen, was a writer and priest of the last century, died last couple of years. He's a Dutch guy, passionate about people knowing that they were the beloved. And if you just Google, write this down. Go ahead, get your pen out, write this down. If you just Google Henry Nouwen, N-O-U-W-E-N, Nowen, it's a Dutchie, Crystal Cathedral video. And there are three sermons given by Henry Nowen. The, the, the video quality is very poor. The content is priceless. It's this lover of God expressing what it means to be the beloved of God. And I just, I just can't say enough about the impact of that message on me. I am the beloved, accepted in the beloved. That's what it means to be rooted and grounded in God's love, is to know above all any other thought or feeling that we belong to God, that we're loved by him, that we're accepted wholly and purely, unconditionally and eternally. That is the good news. That's, that's why Jesus came and did all that he did. That's why he rose from the dead, so that we could walk out our belovedness as the people of God. What would it look like if we lived solely and deeply rooted in God's incomprehensible love for us? What would it look like? There was no other idol, no other, nothing to compare, no other thought, but that, that we are deeply, incomprehensibly, eternally, unconditionally loved by God. We would walk like Jesus. Because that's what Jesus did. Um, I, I just want to tell, we're going to run a little long today because I've got to tell a story. You'll like it in the end. I'll be here till five when Ian leaves. <laughs> Joke. So Kara and Daniel, are you guys here? Kara and Daniel. There they are in the back. See them? Say hi to Kara and Daniel. Oh, Daniel all by himself. Well, they're just one now, so he counts for both. <laughs> about a month and a half ago, we were doing our last premarital counseling, and really we were just talking about uh, getting ready for the wedding, you know, going through the plans of the wedding. Um, the Thursday before this, I had been talking to someone, and I was talking about some of my own junk. You know, pastors got stuff, right? I was talking about this feeling of unworthiness. 
that, I, that, that gets me sometimes. And I was talking to this person, and I said, it's like there's this deep thing in me that just wants to know, am I okay? Anyone else have that? Just, am I okay? I mean, and then I said to this person, I said, like, what does okay even mean? And then me, the word guy, thinking, literally, what the heck does okay mean, right? So uh, the next, uh, so that a couple days later, it's Saturday, Jane and I are getting ready to come to church for, for different meetings. I'm coming to meet with Karen Daniel, and Jane was going to meet with Jesus in Java, I think, in the crowd, in that order. And so I'm just waiting. Uh, we're just about to leave. I'm waiting for Jane to come downstairs, and I just think to myself, okay, what does it? So I Google, okay. And I find that okay comes from this strange thing that they like to do in the early 1900s. They would take words and, and just put the first letter of each word, but make the incorrect letters. And that was the way they talked about describing things. Example, because that's confusing. Okay stands for all correct, spelled O-L-L-K-O-R-R-E-K-T. We're screwed up. <laughs> That's what okay is, right? That's what okay stands for. And so this was like a joke. This is what they did in the 1920s. Use these little, uh, you know, couple of letters to indicate these words that were wrong, and they meant something, but everybody knew it. So they stopped putting all correct. They just started putting okay, and it became the thing that we say when someone says, how are you doing? You say, okay. All correct. And I thought to myself, Well, I'm not okay. I am not all correct. What does that mean? Oh, no. So fast forward 30, 40 minutes. We're sitting in uh, counseling with Karen Daniel. We're talking about the wedding, you know, flower girls and stuff like that. We're just sitting there. My phone is on the table. Kara's phone is on the table. Daniel's got his phone in his hand. My iPad's in the next room because I had Googled it on my iPad. I'm wondering, we're just talking, and all of a sudden, one of our phones speaks. Verify it with them. One of our phones speaks, and the phone says, I'm okay if you're okay. I'm like, what? So Daniel makes a comedy, says, Google's trying to take over the world. And I said, no, you don't understand. I said, this is what just happened to me this morning. I Googled okay on my iPad that's over there. I don't know what happened, except God and Google got together. <laughs> so we, we finish our time together, and Jane's still with Jesus at Java. It's a long meeting, and I'm sitting in my office saying, God, what are you, what were you, what's that? Because normally when God speaks to me, I think it's God speaking to me, God saying his words to me. And I'm saying, like, are you saying to me, God, You're okay if I'm okay? That sounds bad. And God says, no, Randy, I've given you a declaration. Anytime you wonder if you're okay, you just remember what I told you to say. Randy speaking here, I'm okay if you're okay. I thought, whoa. Jesus, are you ever not okay? No. So I give you all permission to be not okay on the day when Jesus is not okay. On the, J- on the day that Jesus is anything but all correct, you can go into a tailspin. Otherwise, we're all okay because we're in Christ, right? 
We're in Christ. We're all correct. We've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And that has been my prayer. I mean, I have used this as a, as a battle tool. When the enemy comes and says, Randy, you blah, 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 blah. You guys fill in the blanks, right? You know it. I say, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't talk to the devil, by the way. I talk to God. Well, God, I'm okay if you're okay. And he's been okay ever since. He's been okay from the beginning. He's okay now. He will be okay forever and ever. Amen. Right? That's what it means to be rooted and grounded in the love of God. Our okayness, our position before God is not impacted, does not need to be impacted by our feelings or those lies or etc., etc., etc. Because if he's okay, we're okay. We're in him. That's what it means to be rooted and grounded in love. What would it look like if we walked like that? Don't hear condemnation there. Hear an invitation into living in the reality of your belovedness. You've been accepted in the beloved. We have to accept our acceptance. That's called grace. So that we can stop looking at ourselves all the time. How do you care for someone else if all you can see is yourself? I've tried it, unsuccessful, right? You can't care for someone else when all the time you're wondering, how am I, how am I, how am I? You can't look outside, but when we begin to accept ourselves the way God has accepted us, all of a sudden the the doors open and we can see humanity. We can see the world out there that's longing to be loved with God's love. From the rootedness of God's love, we get to uh, root ourselves in community the community of God's people. If you didn't realize, I just segued to point number two. Rooted and grounded in community. Jude 1, 20 to 21. You don't hear a lot of sermons from Jude. I think he's been left out. But, but he's okay. <laughs> but you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, sermons available there, which will not be preached right now, Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we always talk about God's ability to keep us, right? He's the great shepherd. And we don't have to worry about we're going to fall out of salvation, right? That's grace. That's what grace means. But Jude here says, keep yourselves in the love of God. That means there's some part of our job is to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and keep ourselves in the love of God, right? There's something we have to do. How do you keep yourself in God's love? I think you present yourself to God and others to be woven into community. I mean, this, it, it, we didn't plan it this way, but God did. I mean, this is a picture of our community woven together. There is no better picture of the vineyard than I can imagine, right? <laughs> this is called unity, not uniformity, right? This might be the new logo of the vineyard movement worldwide. What's the vineyard like? Right here. Do you know there's an 18-inch green bean in here? There's an 18-inch green bean grown by a man in our church, stuck into a tube, and it's in this weaving somewhere. Yikes. And that's the vineyard, right? That's the, that's the vineyard community. That's who we are. We're an eclectic group. And God loves us dearly. To present yourself to God and accept his love is one thing. To be 
to, to submit yourself to be woven into community will probably demand extreme vulnerability. And I'll just give that one to you. Guess what? It's hard. It's just plain hard. To sign up for a transforming group or a discipleship group or to be in any of the communities around here, it's just hard. To show up on a Saturday morning, second Saturday of every month and hang out with men and drink coffee and talk about men's stuff, it's hard. Awkward. It just is. But it's one of the, we, one of the ways that we um, keep ourselves in God's love is by keeping ourselves in community with those who are loved by God and who love by God, right? It's just, it's just the way it works. There's so much news of suicide right now. I mean, it's, you can't get away from it. Two weeks ago, a pastor in California, I mean, I can't, say, I can't talk about it without crying. I, I don't know this pastor. Someone in our church knows someone who's in that church. And that's how I got the news of a pastor who was in the middle of a series about what it means for God to, to, to clean up messes. And he talked about depression and anxiety and etc. In front of everyone, two weeks later, took his own life. Left a wife and three children in a church. I do not say that to say, oh, poor pastors, don't do that. What I'm saying is sometimes we say, well, the pastors, they must, they must have it all together. I mean, they got a connection to God. And if only I could, well, forget all that. You never know what people are going through. And you know what that means? That means that we don't know what you're going through unless you tell us. Unless you speak out to someone, I'm hurting, I'm in trouble, I have thoughts that I am ashamed of. Unless you speak those thoughts out, we can't read your mind. And so community, being rooted in God's community, will be this kind of vulnerability. You lay yourself out and say, weave me in. Because I don't want to be left out. Because I'm afraid of what I might do. Right? I mean, that's just reality right now. People not rooted in the love of God and the love of others who are unwilling to accept themselves will find no other way out. So Sting sings, I hope someone gets my message in a bottle. Message in a bottle. I mean, what if it, what if it takes more vulnerability than just hope? What if it takes actually saying it? What if it means coming up at the ministry time today or turning to the person you came with or to the person you met 20 minutes ago and say, I'm in trouble. I need help. That's vulnerability. That's the kingdom of God, and that's what community is all about. What if you simply need to ask for help before you get to SOS in your marriage with your stress, your depression, your anxiety, your addiction, your overwork, long list of all the things that the enemy might be trying to wrap us up in. But rooted and grounded in love and connected to the roots of community, we can experience God's love. And I mean connected in a real, with real life people, not in a generic sense. I've been a part of small groups where I wasn't known because I chose not to be known. I've been in groups for years where I never said, this is what I'm really dealing with. You know what that's called? A waste of time. There's plenty of groups out there. You can do that all day long. But in community, we need one another. And we need the real us, the true selves. We were living in Pennsylvania 18 years ago. Now, this, well, we were living there 18 years ago. We came here 18 years ago. But 20-some years ago, when we had first moved to Pennsylvania, 
from a failed mission experience. I just wanted to leave. I just wanted to get out. I couldn't believe that I was a great man of God selling insurance in a small town in Pennsylvania. That just didn't seem right. didn't feel good. And the Lord spoke to me as clearly as I've ever heard the Lord, and I was not talking to him at that time. I was not talking to him at that time. And the Lord said, Randy, you cannot leave this place until you can stay in this place. I'm like, what? Seizing anger. But I am, the Holy Spirit was in my angry self, right? And the Holy Spirit said, that's right, Randy. Until you can stay here and plant your roots and know that you are who you are because of Jesus, not because of what you do for Jesus, until you can stay here, you can't leave. And that's a part of the message I've given to people for years now is get yourself rooted in community. Because when God wants to plant you, he needs deep roots, right? If you don't root yourself in community because you're always saying, well, I'm not going to be here long. I'm not going to be here long. I've got bigger and better things, right? I won't be here long. I don't want, I don't want the pain of community. I don't want, it'll hurt if, when I leave. Well, guess what? That's how God made it. You sink deep roots into community so that when, if, when, if, when God calls you to leave, he's got a big, healthy plant he can pluck from the earth, let's be honest, rip from the earth and plant into a new place and it can be vibrant quickly. If you have shallow roots, what's he planting? That move won't save you, as you often think, oh, if only I could go, right? If only I didn't live in Indiana, of all places. If only I could go. And that, but that move won't save you. That move, that move will shock you. It may shatter you. Unless you plant deep roots. And it's hard work. It takes time and energy and vulnerability and failure and forgiveness and failure and forgiveness to plant deep roots in community but we need those roots. Now, obviously, God calls people to uproot at times and move. He calls deeply rooted people to to get up and go. We're going to pray for some of those next week who God has clearly grown up so that they are ready to go out, and we're going to feel the pain of those roots, Uh, uh, uh. and they're going to go out and be planted somewhere where they can bear fruit for the kingdom. That's beautiful. But God never tells people to run away from reality. Fear runs away. Faith responds to God in the now. Use what's at your disposal now. Use the community here, now. See what's around you and dive in. Because it's a part of God's provision for you, your safety net, your health plan here. Stop dreaming about what your life might be if only Now, just hear what I said there. Stop dreaming about what your life might be, if only. I didn't say stop dreaming. It's very important that you hear this. I didn't say stop dreaming. I said stop fantasizing. And there's a difference. Dreaming, I'm going to read this because I wrote this. I thought this was brilliant. (laughs) The Holy Spirit must be here. Dreaming looks at reality with faith takes actions as directed by the Holy Spirit and lives into a future reality in an ever-increasing way. That's faith. Fantasy rejects reality and vainly imagines what man might do, often completely apart from any diligence or any community, 
and says, if only what is right now wasn't true, then I could be the great person of God, right? Dreaming says is faith, and it says, God, I see what is, and I see what you're calling me to do, and I'm going to walk in diligence, and I'm going to picture that new reality, and I'm going to cooperate with you, Holy Spirit, along the way, so I can ever, in an ever-increasing way, experience that new reality. That's the inbreaking of the kingdom. Fantasy says, if only all of these things weren't real, then my true nature would come out, right? Fantasy is a direct contradiction to God's sovereignty and providence. I don't mean to come down on you hard, but you want to slap God in the face, say, God, you've messed up. I'm not supposed to be here. Who are all these people? You know, as soon as you look out, and I heard Larry Crabb say this one time, when, as soon as you look out and say someone else is the problem, that very thought is the problem. Work on that one. That's pretty good. I speak from experience, having lived both faith and fantasy. Faith bears fruit for the kingdom. Fantasy's fruit is bitterness and disappointment. I don't recommend it. So begin to own the life that is right now. Begin to own your present life and live in it with all its ugly warts and all its difficulties and all its glorious and inglorious reality because Jesus is in the present. He's right here, right now, just waiting for us to look and say, God, what what do you want to do with this? There's a mess here. What do you want to do? And Jesus says, I love messes. In fact, you're okay because I'm okay. Plant your roots now. Finally, let love flow from deep roots so that you can be a well of love to other people. Respond to the cries that you hear out in the world, whether audible or inaudible. And No one is responsible for everyone, but everyone has responsibility for someone. So when you see someone passing by, ask, God, am I the one to meet their need right now? Now, if every time you ask that question, the answer is yes, you're not hearing God. Jesus didn't even do that. But we've got to be open and willing to say, God, am I the one to reach out? Am I the one to bear their burden right now? I'll just read one of the the, the last uh, um, verse of that song. I walked out this morning, don't believe what I saw, a hundred billion bottles washed upon the shore. Seems I'm not alone at being alone. There's something prophetic in that sound, in that, in that verse. Seems I'm not alone at being alone. A hundred billion castaways looking for a home. Well, we're all at some point one of those. But once we've been gathered in, we become gatherers, right? Once we're accepted, we become acceptors. We become, we become those people who look out and say, I see it in your eyes. I see pain. Is there any way I can help? I'll point you to Jesus because I'm not him, but is there any way I can lift the burden for a moment? 1 Peter 4.8, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. From that Jude verse, the very next verse from that Jude verse, be merciful to those who doubt. Save them by snatching them from the fire. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. My translation, even when people that you love do stupid, faithless things, 
They desperately need your help. They need mercy. Like we all at some point need mercy. Sometimes we are the people doing the stupid, doubting, faithless things, right? And we must be for others what God has been for us. I'll close with 1 Peter 1, just two verses here, 21 and 22. Through Christ you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You, church, you were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. A guarantee that comes with that verse is pain. But another guarantee that comes with that verse is the power of the Holy Spirit within you to help people see a new reality in the kingdom. Love one another deeply. Does that mean pain? Yes. Does that mean forgiveness? Yes. Does that mean boundaries? Yes. But as you've been loved by God, love. And as you've been served by God, serve. And as you've been shown mercy, show mercy. That's what it means to be a well of love for others in community. Let's stand. Lynn, can you come and lead us in some time of ministry? If the um, ministry team could come up front, that would be great. We'd love some people to pray. Um, Before I I, I close, just speaking about community, um, Shauna Payne, where's Shauna? There's Shauna right there. See her? See her? Shauna is someone that we sent out with some pain a few years ago and is with crew in Arkansas. So if you want to say hi to Shauna when she's back, our church supports her. Bless her with community. Hannah and Luke Sully, can you make yourselves known? Okay, scream or something. That's their scream right there. (laughs) Hannah and Luke have been a part in and out and serving in various places in our church, and they're moving to Nashville. Nashville, Tennessee, as a part of a church plant. This is their last Sunday, so Show them some community love. It hurts. Actually, we'll gather you guys and we'll pray for you afterwards. So come be a part of that. I just want to issue this invitation this morning. Maybe God is speaking to you today about acceptance. Maybe you don't know Jesus and you need to meet him, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to experience his grace. I'd ask you to come forward and let us talk to you and pray with you about what it means to know Jesus personally. Maybe you need to know what it's like to be rooted in God's love. We'd just love to pray for you. Or you're you ready to take a vulnerable step into community and you don't like the idea of it and you need some power. Let us pray for you. Or you recognize that you've been stingy with your love. You've been kind of inwardly focused and you're recognizing that today you want to accept your acceptance so that you can look out and be a well of love in community for others. We want to pray for you or for any need you might have this morning. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here among us. Thank you for the glory deposited in the people of God by the Spirit of God. I ask that you would stir up faith. You'd release the love of God, even as Jill was uh, uh, flying that flag, just the love of God being dispersed among us as the community of God. From the end of Jude, now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault 
all glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the present and beyond all time. Amen. If you'd like someone to pray for you, please come forward. If Shauna and Luke and Hannah, will you come, we'll pray for you. So come for prayer or talk to someone or go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.